Clarity or death. In times like these, it has never been more relevant, important, or perhaps even more literal. My name is Yitzwein. I'm the rabbi of Young Israel, Aish of Las Vegas, and welcome to the Life is Great community. Yes, clarity or death, that's something which I kind of spiritually grew up with. My rabbi would always say it in reference that if a person doesn't know what he's living for, if he doesn't know what he's willing to die for, if he doesn't know what his pleasures are, then he will not live a proper life. But today, clarity or death is actually quite literal. As we are uh, have just begun the worst assault against the Jewish people since the Holocaust, our people are in mourning and there is anxiety and fear and confusion. And we're here today to talk about the war against Hamas. What do we do? And we have to understand that everybody has a role. If you are in Israel and you are wearing the fatigues of the, of the Israeli Defense Forces, you have a role. If you're in Las Vegas and you are a regular guy, you have a role. And let's talk about each of our role. How do we, how do we approach these things? So it's important to recognize that as Jews, we approach everything from a heavenly realm and from an earthly realm. We need to know both realms and both of the and and how we can contribute, what we can do in each of these approaches. So the first thing is the heavenly realm. The heavenly realm means that everything that happens in this world happens only by permission of the Almighty. People have free will, and people choose, and certainly the barbarians of Hamas and their supporters and celebrators. So their actions, that was a product of their free will, and they are most responsible for their actions 100%. And at the same time, if a person wants to scratch his nose and God says no, they won't be able to scratch their nose. So the Almighty allowed this to happen. We have to, know, we have to understand what's behind this and how to deal with this in a real way. So, you know, right before the war, on the Friday afternoon, it was the last day of Sukkot. It was Hashanah Rabbah. Hashanah Rabbah on a spiritual frame is actually the time when God judges the non-Jews. The end, it is the end of the judgment season for the world in every form. And I was having a discussion with a person who I invited to Sheikh and Esrog and Lulav, and he was telling me about his recent trip to Israel, which happened about a month ago. And he said he actually cut short his trip because even he has friends there and there's such a schism between the religious and the non-religious, between the people on politically on the left, the people on the right. You had judicial reform, you had other issues that people were arguing about. And he said while he was there, the reservists, the Israeli reservists announced they were going to go on strike. He goes, the, pi the reserve pilots were not going to show up to work. And he goes, we were in the Negev at the time, and I saw the planes flying above us. So we knew the army was working. We knew the military was working. But he and his girlfriend were very scared because they didn't know if they'd get trapped in Israel. They had no idea. Israel was, he goes, but I know if there was a war, everyone would come out. And then I said, that's an interesting thing to say, because even though you, you recognize that, yeah, Jews were, at that point, were very, very divided on so many issues. Yet our traditional approach to anti-Semitism, to Jew hatred, is that when Jews are divided, when necessary, the Almighty brings somebody from the outside 
to push us together. So we recognize that we are truly family and that the, and to understand what is most important. And sure enough, the result of this war is a tremendous ingathering and connection of people and, 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 a, and a unity amongst the Jewish people. All of a sudden, it doesn't seem to matter so much about judicial reform, or it doesn't matter about who's religious, who's not religious, who's politically on the right or the left. Right now, we, are, we recognize we're all family, and true, in, a fa in every family, there will be disagreements. But you, you, when you're facing death, when, uh, face to face, and when so many of our brethren have been brutally, mur savagely murdered, and and celebrated uh, on the, the the cruelty has been celebrated around the world by so many people. We understand what is most important, and we understand that we are one family, and that we understand that we have to be together. And that, recognizing that is the is the basis of being able to approach this from a spiritual perspective. Our job is always to do whatever mitzvah is in front of us at the time. And that is why that even though when the war broke out on Simchas Torah, which is a most joyous day, one of the most joyous days in the Jewish calendar, and now for a, generations has been turned, is going to be turned into a day of mourning. Next Simchas Torah, thousands upon thousands of people will be saying the Kaddish in mourning over their loved ones who were murdered on that day. And this is, this is a stain that is, that is penetrating the soul of the Jewish people. We have to understand that we, we've got to recognize that our job on Simchas Torah was to pray and was to be joyful. And right now, the mitzvah that is in front of us is if you are a, 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 on a spiritual realm, the people that are not fighting, we're not talking about those that are, that are actively in the military. We're talking about us on a spiritual sense. It is to pray and to learn Torah, and to live a very productive and meaningful and joyful life to the most that we possibly can. This is spiritual work. This is going to fuel the battery pack of those that are actually working in the earthly realm that are fighting against Hamas. And we reckon, we've always recognized that, that, that wars, the Jewish people have always fought wars and, and, and what is behind the battlefield is just as important, just as real as what is on the battlefield. And a person should never think for a moment. They should never sit at home and say, okay, listen, I'm not going to daven. No, you need to pray. You need to pray with a minion. You need to be in shul. You need, if you, if you, if you only learn Torah once a week, now's the time to learn Torah twice a week, three times a week. If you weren't actively looking to do acts of kindness, in with your family first and then with your community with other jews with other people if you were not actively doing that now is the time to actively do that so much cruelty has been brought into the world and our job is to replace it with acts of kindness and acts of compassion with each other that acts of unity that is spiritual work and it's not enough to pray it's not enough to learn. It's not enough to do the mitzvah. What a person must do is they must recognize that every one of their prayers makes a very big difference. Every one of every time you're learning Torah, it changes the reality of what happens on the battlefield. And you don't know, it might be your prayer, your act of charity. It might be one of those things that really, that really 
does change what you've done with intention that actually makes a difference. It, it, it allows someone to be saved, a captive, to be redeemed, or it allows a, an attack to be thwarted even before it begun. So that is on the spiritual realm. What about the earthly realm? So if you're in the IDF, fulfill your assignments as best you can. That's what it, that's what it is. If you are if you are in Las Vegas, you come to rallies, you come to you 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 come to rallies, you give charity, you find ways to help, right? On on on, on in, in a physical way. But the most important element on the earthly realm for most of us is is to work tirelessly for moral clarity, because there is way too much ambiguity and moral ambiguity, moral, there's moral blindness and there's moral, uh, yeah, people want to be polite. So they're using phraseology that leads to moral confusion. And we've got to know clarity or death. It's a real thing. Now, the day after these assaults, we witnessed how these babies are being beheaded and burned and people and, and women are being raped and then murdered. And we, when, we, when the world saw the cruelty that Hamas sent out and told us about what they're doing and celebrated, at that moment, a big chunk of the world supported us. But make no mistake, as every day goes on and as the fight goes on, the, there, will, there will be more moral confusion that will be brought into the world. And we, that is our battle. That is the battle that we must, uh, must take in a, in a strong way to speak about, not only for, for ourselves, and with to speak about with others. Clarity or death. Standing up and saying Hamas is a terrorist group. They're so much more than a terrorist group. They are a sadistic, genocidal death cult. That you have to be clear on that. Everyone must be clear on that. And that's to be spoken about. To get away, oh, they're a terrorist group. Yeah, there's a lot of terrorists. There's a lot, there's been a lot of terrorists. But those words are stale. They're genocidal. They're sadistic. They're demonic. They are a death cult. And you know what? They've always been this way. And how anyone could be surprised that they did what they did is it's almost mind boggling. The reason we're surprised and shocked is because none of us would ever could, could never think to do what they've done. But you have to realize you're not them. They're not you. They don't think like you. They don't think like us. So they will do something that's completely out of the realm of our thoughts. And if you just say, oh, they're a terrorist group then you fall prey to becoming soft. You have to realize they have always been, their charter is they are a sadistic, demonic death cult, genocidal death cult. Know who they are. When people stand up and say, Israel has the right to defend itself, and then people applaud. Really? If you're going to say that phrase, aren't you on some level even entering the conversation with those people who say they don't have the Israel does not have the right to defend itself, don't say that. Say Israel has an obligation to defend itself. It's an obligation. There is no discussion here. This is not. It's not a discussion. If anyone would would attack a small a small attack against your home, against your family, against this country, we would go all out war. When people say not all Gazans support Hamas, that's irrelevant. <laughs> no one said oh, not all Germans supported the Nazis. No, we carpet bombed Germany. No one said oh, 
not all Japanese supported the, the emperor. <laughs> you took care of it. And even if you say, even if you want, it, it, it's completely irrelevant. When people say not all Gazans support Hamas, it's leaving it open that after there's a certain number of civilian casualties, then you have to stop. But there can be no stopping. Every time Israel has stopped, it's only come back a few years later, much, much worse. This is a cancer. Hamas is a genocidal cancer that has to be uprooted regardless of any kind of casualties. And I'll tell you something. Every casualty is a product of the intense genocidal hatred of Hamas. And to allow others to speak differently is a crime and will only lead to more destruction. Let me share with you, I, I, by the way, I would not make this up. You know, the, the advantage of being an Orthodox rabbi is I don't have to make anything up. I just have to plagiarize that which was said generations before me. The story in the Chumash is so clear. When Jacob brings his daughter, his 12 sons and his daughter into the land of Canaan, and they go to a place called Shechem. Shechem is Nabalus. This has never been a good place for the Jews. The leader of that city state, was his name was Shechem. He abducted Dina. He raped her and then decided to keep her and wanted to cut a deal with Jacob's sons that they should be able to, to we should all be together. Right, because he he wanted because God infused upon him an intense an intense uh, infatuation with Dina. So Sir Shimon and Levi made a deal. They said, "Yes, you know, we'll marry your daughters. You'll marry our daughters. We'll join together as one people. But everyone's got to circumcise themselves. All the men have got to circumcise themselves." Shem was the first one to to circumcise himself. And he explained to his followers, he said, oh, we'll get all their money. Those Jews, they have money. We'll get their money. Don't worry about it. And on the third day, when they were recovering from the surgery, Shimon and Levi and the brothers went in and they killed every man of, in the city of Shechem, captured their sister Dina and brought her back to their father, Jacob. Jacob rebuked them. He said, he turned to them and said, you are going to make me hated by such, an, such, a, such a powerful expression of who we are, that is going to make us hate. It'll bring attention to us from the other city-states around us and will make us hated. My question to you is, why did Jacob not rebuke the brothers and say you did the wrong thing? And the answer is, because they did not do the wrong thing. Because when you are the benefit, when you are the beneficiary of a, a government, even if you don't agree with the government, if you don't protest and you live there, and you benefit from their leadership, then you are complicit in their deeds and your, their crime is your crime. So don't say the Gazans, not every Gazan is, follows Hamas. Every Gazan, <laughs> every Gazan is benefited from Hamas. Every Gazan is complicit on some level with Hamas's evil genocidal deeds. And even if they're not, they all hate Jews, every one of them, because there's no one who's been born <laughs> in Gaza since the early 2000s that has not been brought up to hate Jews. And if you say it's occupied territory, <laughs> go find a Jew in Gaza. There hasn't been one since 2007 when the Israeli government pulled out all the Jews out of there. There's no occupation. This is not an occupation. There can be no compassion for Hamas. There can be no tolerance for those 
who celebrate or support it, we have to be vigilant for moral clarity. And now one last note. This Shabbat, we are going to read from the beginning of the Torah. The first words of the Torah, Breshis bara Elohim, you know, you know how to read it. You know how it sounds in English. People say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. But that's according to one tradition. Another tradition translates those Hebrew words as, in the beginning of God's creating the heavens and the earth. And we have to realize that every moment the Almighty creates and recreates and recreates. And as God creates and recreates every moment, in the same way that things were fine until they were not fine. Things can become fine again very quickly. Because as Jews, we understand that God runs the world. We understand that our job is to do the mitzvah at hand, to provide the spiritual energy for those who are physically fighting to defend our people. Let's take it seriously. Let's pray. Let's study Torah. Let's do acts of kindness. Let's know that we are that our, our efforts make a difference, and let's fight on the battlefield of moral clarity for ourselves and for all that are around us. So that is my story. I'm sticking to it. And now here is our favorite, our favorite Dana, our producer, with your questions. Dana, please. Thank you. What's going on? Thank you, Rabbi Wine. We have three really important questions. Um, so I'll start with the first one. So it says, I'm brokenhearted. I have family in Israel and so many friends are in Israel. It's been hard to eat. I can't sleep right. I have been praying nonstop. How do I help more? What else can I do? So you have to ask yourself, what does God want from me? Say, ask yourself, what does Hamas want from me? And what does God want from me? Hamas wants me dead. Hamas, if I'm not going to be dead, dead, then Hamas wants me to be a walking dead person, someone who is depressed, someone who's comatose, someone who cannot do anything productive. And what does God want from you? God wants you to understand everyone's, the other Jews' pain. God wants you to live a productive, meaningful, joyful life. And the Almighty wants you to do your best in order to create a better world. So what do you want to do? Do you want, are you, you're going to, you have a decision now. Your decision is, do I do what Hamas wants me to do? In which case, stay home and don't come to shul. Or do you want to do what God wants you to do? And if you want to do it, if, and, and I would say, your best bet is to choose what the Almighty wants you to do. Excellent. Okay. And the second one says, <clears throat> The news showed clips of crazy students and professors at Harvard University and other once reputable institutions actually supporting Hamas. I'm totally disgusted with academia. Furthermore, I'm in college now and there's a professor who is actually offering us extra credit if we attend a pro-Hamas rally. I'm so upset that the university system is allowing this. Our Jewish students have endured enough. What can I do to expose and stop this blatant pro-genocide sentiment and strengthen the Jewish community on campus? You should gather everyone that you possibly can and make a rally that that professor should be fired and that you have to recognize that there is tremendous, these people are, are brainwashed. And again, it's, it, it, understand we are fighting for moral clarity for everyone. 
and to stand up and say, you know, you have to explain the issue to everyone who will listen, and even those people that would not listen. It says in the Torah, it says in the Talmud, that a person has to know how to answer a heretic, not because you'll necessarily change their mind, because you probably won't change the people's minds, but the more you fight for moral clarity for yourself and for others, the more clear you will be. And then that, again, that's the earthly realm and in the spiritual realm, you have to pray and do mitzvahs and do give charity in order the Almighty should, should, should thwart their evil schemes and change their minds. Excellent. And the last one, I want to fight, but I don't have training and I'm not in the IDF. I want to give money, my time, anything I can help, anything I can do to help my people. Where can I donate money? And how do you recommend I give of my time? Beautiful. So, okay. So you can, you can donate money. There's, there's several websites. If you go on Jewish Nevada, they will have certain websites that you can, that you can connect with the people. The money will go directly over to, um, you know, uh, to, uh, you know, to the people who need it, the organizations that will use it. Um, yeah, for sure, you can contact the Israeli consulate and they will steer you to various organizations that you can donate time and money and even while you're not in Israel, that kind of thing. So, yeah, there, there are many, many practical avenues. A lot of people need a lot of help. My, uh, my niece, who is uh, terrified of needles, she lives in Israel. She's giving blood as often as she can. You know, it's like you you have to overcome and you have to you have to overcome. You have to be strong yourself. And if not only for yourself, for others to elevate a sense of strength. Okay, thank you, Dana. Thank you for listening. My name is Rabbi Yitzwine of Young Israel Aish. Thank you for being part of Life is Great Community. And we will, uh, with, uh, with this help, the Almighty should help bring all the Jewish people closer together and protect us. And he should thwart the evil, uh, the schemes of evil in this world and help us play a strong role in obliterating any kind of evil under the sun. Thanks for listening to the Life is Great podcast. Share this with your friends and they will love you for it. If you have questions or comments, please email me at Rabbi Yitzwine at gmail.com. That's R-A-B-B-I-Y-I-T-Z-W-Y-N-E at gmail. For more content, check out our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thank you to Dana Rutherford for producing today's episode. And remember, if you decide to make it a great day, then your life will be great. Thank you for listening and being part of the Life is Great community. To keep these podcasts and other awesome programs available for free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation at yiaishlv.org backslash contribute.